Ladies and gentlemen, this is Russell Wortham coming to you live from beautiful Tucson, Arizona, a stone's throw away from the University of Arizona and in the shadow of the Grand Canyon. Folks, we are back and back in the middle of greatness. This is the Russell Wortham Show. Wow, I am extremely excited to have y'all on board today. We've got a lot to get through, so just going to kind of lay out the show, and then we'll go from there. I'm going to spend a bit in the first segment, this opening segment, talking about three things. Now, I know some weeks back, I know that I said that I was not going to address anything political. I wasn't going to do anything uh, in terms of news or current events unless the situation called for it. Well, today, unfortunately, calls for me to address something out in the world Also, we're going to be talking about the passing of Bart Starr and of Bill Buckner. Then, after that, we will take, well, for you, it'll be no time at all. For me, it'll be be a moment, but we're going to talk about the Stanley Cup final, the NBA finals. We're going to talk about a really... Just bizarre situation over in Europe with the UEFA Champions League final. I've got a really sad, really heartbreaking story coming out of Houston. And if you've heard about it, you know what I'm going to be talking about. If you haven't, stay tuned. It is is really sad. It's involving a four-year-old little girl who was hit by a foul ball, and we'll be talking about that, and what I think Major League Baseball uh, needs to do with that. And then in the WWE portion of the show, we are going to talk about Super Showdown coming up on Friday, And I've got some thoughts about all elite wrestling. So, all that said, let's get going. All right. So, we are saddened, I'm saddened, by the passing of Bill Buckner and of Bart Starr. Bill Buckner, let's start off with Bill Buckner. Bill Buckner course played for the Boston Red Sox and unfortunately his non-catch if you will that would have I believe would have won the World Series back in 1986 for the Red Sox is is basically an infamy now he has been much maligned over the years And it's really tragic because how many people have missed a ground ball? How many people have missed a catch out in the outfield? 
And they haven't gotten nearly half the grief that Bill Buckner did during his lifetime over the last 30 some odd years. But Bill Buckner, I'm I'm glad, I'm really glad that he was able to see the Red Sox win a World Series. I'm sad that he wasn't part of said World Series. But I'm glad nonetheless that Bill Buckner had the opportunity to at least see Boston win a championship. Uh, Here's the thing that kind of scares me. And we can talk about how Bill Buckner was treated, which was horrible. It was just disgraceful how he was treated, except for the last 30 years. But I'm more, and and, and that's certainly important, but I want to focus more on the cause of death, which is dementia. Now, I don't know the exact form of dementia that Bill Buckner had. When people hear dementia, they think of Alzheimer's. They think of really old and your brain just starts forgetting stuff and it's really, really sad and tragic. On my mom's side, <coughs> pardon me, on my mom's side, there is a history of dementia and of Alzheimer's. And it kind of really scares me because I am just turned 40 and Alzheimer's symptoms uh, seem to crop up when you're in your 60s and your 70s, the earliest, (coughs) (coughs) pardon me, Uh, allergies, (laughs) that is the hazard of living here in Arizona, (laughs) Uh, but I suppose that's hazard everywhere, but uh, yeah, anyway, so getting back to the Alzheimer's, people think of dementia, oh, that must mean Alzheimer's. Well, there's other forms of dementia. But to me, it's really scary because I took one of them DNA tests and I saw that I had an increased risk of getting Alzheimer's. Now, that does not mean that I will actually get Alzheimer's in my lifetime, but there is a higher risk for me than for maybe other people and it really scares me because I've seen what Alzheimer's can do my great grandma on my mom's side had Alzheimer's gosh 20 years I believe and she had her good days she had her lucid days, but more often than not, it just, it, it wasn't there. And I was just a kid and I feel bad about, I honestly feel bad about 
things because I wasn't as compassionate as what I should have been when I was a kid. Not that don't there was no abusive language or anything. It was just I just didn't I didn't really want to visit my great grandma in the nursing home. Um, it's sad, but I I didn't really want to. I wish my forty year old self now wishes that my ten year old self would have gone more to see her. Uh, but that's that's all I suppose revisionist and all of that. I guess what I'm trying to get at is this. Even though I don't really know if it was Alzheimer's, I'm I'm assuming it was Alzheimer's with Bill Buckner. We've got to remember Bill Buckner for the entirety of his career. Not just one missed ground ball. That was just really unfortunate. You know, that was really unfortunate. And to me, it feels like there is some sort of a disconnect. And I understand that people in the moment were upset. And I would have been upset too. You have a chance to win a championship for the first time at that point in, what was it, 70 years. And then it just goes right right under your glove. I mean, one or maybe two more inches, he would have snagged that ball and you would have thrown it to first. It would have been over. But that didn't happen. So to me, I think that Bill Buckner has gotten a bad rap. I'm sorry for his loss. I'm sorry for his family's loss. And uh, I really hope that he can find some peace on the other side. All right, so that's Bill Buckner. Next up is Bart Starr, who played for the Green Bay Packers. He won the first two, helped win the first two Super Bowls. And quite possibly, if not the most, one of the most famous quarterback sneaks of all time was the Ice Bowl between the Packers and the Cowboys. And that's, I'm not saying that's all that Bart Starr is known for, but that's, for most of us, that's the lasting image for Bart Starr is that that sneak and it was a beautiful sneak holy smokes it was right up the middle and it was it was absolutely incredible so my condolences go out to the Starr family and to the Packer organization I understand that yeah it's tough even when you're older it's tough when you pass away um, or when you have somebody pass away that you revere. So, there's that. <clears throat> so, anyway, so there are the 
people that we lost uh, since I last spoke with you a couple weeks back. Now, on to the political slash world news scene. Today marks the 30th anniversary of the Tiananmen Square Massacre. And let's not parse words here. Let's not split hairs. This was a massacre. People in Beijing wanted freedom or more freedom. I don't know how much they were looking for, but they were they were looking for freedom and and all of that and the hardliners in the government won over uh the power and they summarily went in with the army and they decimated that crowd inside of Tiananmen Square it was an absolute disaster people remember the gentleman that stopped at least for a short time stopped a whole row of tanks coming down the street and this is a bit of a Mandela effect Uh, the Mandela effect is Named for Nelson Mandela because people thought that he had died in prison. But obviously he didn't. He was elected as South Africa's first African uh, black uh, president in the 1990s. But people, for some reason, thought that he had died in prison. And so anytime somebody misremembers something or something doesn't quite happen the way you remember it, they call it the Mandela effect. Myself included, I thought that this guy was run over, had been run over. But apparently the guy that stopped the tanks was not run over. In fact, he got on top of the lead tank and it was really it was really interesting uh the one of the tank men opened up the hatch and again i don't speak chinese but uh, i'm assuming he was probably like what the heck are you doing <laughs> I mean, why are you on top of this? This is not okay. We're we're not going to let you stay here. And so that's an enduring image from Tiananmen Square 30 years ago. Another image is the sculpture. It was made out of paper mache, but it was of what they called the goddess of democracy. And it was it was squarely looking at the giant portrait of Mao Zedong uh, on the, the wall um, going into the Forbidden City. And 
it was a powerful image of hope and dare I say defiance in the face of an authoritarian regime. The army comes in like says massacres the crowd. Now I none of us know how many people died that day. But some people said that it was in the thousands, if not more. But we'll never know. China will never give us a ballpark figure because they have tried every which way to censor out the incident 30 years ago. I was just reading this morning on CNN that China has been really cracking down on the internet and free speech more so than usual, especially because today is the 30th anniversary. And so while there are demonstrations and there are memorials throughout the world today, I believe there was one in San Francisco, there was one in Taiwan, and there was a small uh, visual in Hong Kong. But as far as like the main part of China, they don't even want their citizens to even remember what happened 30 years ago. And that's a real shame. And, <clears throat> man, you know, so what I'm, what I'm getting at is this. Freedom of speech and just general civil liberties that we take for granted, other places don't necessarily have. And it's sad because we can go out of our way to say what we want here in this country. You know, it was interesting. Uh, This was a number of years ago. This was, gosh, 10 years ago, uh, 12 years ago. I was in college at the University of Colorado at Colorado Springs. And we were at a student uh, type conference. And we, uh, you know, we were at a student type conference. And they, they, they said, you know, uh, one of my friends, no, actually, no. Pardon me, pardon me. I'm I'm mis <laughs> Mandela effect, <laughs> Mandela effect. I'm misremembering. This was actually, I believe, in in Oregon at Southern Oregon University, where we were at a student type conference up in Salem, the capital of of Oregon, and I was with some of my friends and we had uh, girl from or well it was was a small delegation but um, we had a a girl from China that was an exchange student and she wanted to know about 
freedom of expression and all of that. And so we, we told her. We said, you can say anything pretty much you want here in this country. Now, offensive stuff, and there's, there's kind of a gray area there. But for the most part, yeah, you can say what you want here in this country. And one of my friends went out. Uh, we were out in a, a parking lot. And she said, you know what? Watch this. I can go out into the middle of everything. She flipped off both fingers, both hands. <laughs> she flipped off, you know, everybody. And she said, I could say, bleep you, America. Nobody's coming to arrest me. Nobody's, nobody's going to come to arrest me. And I'm like, yeah. You know, and there was another uh, individual. I can't remember where they were from. I believe they were from Germany. But at any rate, they came up. And I was I was feeling kind of down and depressed. I can't remember what the setup was. But essentially, I had an individual come up to me. And this was years and years ago. And they asked, Hey, were you born here? Were you born in the United States? I said, yeah. Like, you don't know how lucky you are to have been born here. And that just changed my whole perspective. I had a healthy respect for the country anyhow. Uh, I've had multiple people in my family, both my mom's side, my dad's side, my dad... My grandpa, both my grandpas. I've got a cousin. I've got uh, actually a couple of cousins on my uh, dad's side there in the military. I mean, I come from military stock, all right? So I have a healthy respect for the military, for the country as it is. But when I hear things like, you don't know how lucky you are. And it just really reaffirms my absolute gratitude for being here in this country. That we can have these freedoms. These freedoms are fragile. They have been under attack for many, many years. And again, I I won't get into Donald Trump. I I promised y'all I wouldn't. But I gotta be honest... Our freedoms are under attack. And so when I hear that China today is saying, nobody talk about it, nobody remember, nobody celebrate, celebrate's not the right word, uh, mark the occasion for Tiananmen Square, it just feels dirty. It feels just icky. And as a person that loves history, I'm I'm not gonna lie, I'm I'm offended. My sense of marking an occasion is offended. Now I understand different country, different rules, a different way of life. 
I'm not ethnocentristic. At least I don't try to be. That's being the idea of, hey, my culture is better than your culture. That's not how I roll. But, and I know that nobody in China is going to hear this. <laughs> I know, I know this. But, but, if you are listening, know that we have not forgotten that we will not forget the sacrifices that were made that day 30 years ago. Freedom and hope and liberty are powerful. They are enduring. Notice how I didn't say democracy because here's the thing. When people gain their freedom, they have the ability to choose what they want for their life. So just because somebody gets their freedom doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to want to choose democracy. It's two totally separate terms. People seem to interchange freedom and democracy like it's the same thing. No, it's two totally different things. I hope. I know that it won't happen today or maybe tomorrow, and it may never happen. But I hope that a new generation will rise up in China and they will say, this is silly. Why are we not getting our voices heard? Why are we not allowing our voices to be heard? And they're going to push for more freedom. And I hope that the Chinese government doesn't do what they did 30 years ago. That was disgraceful. And when they finally ran over the statue of the goddess of democracy, it was a pretty stark reminder that they they will not change people can change people do change but china has made it very clear abundantly clear they don't want to change uh in in summation and i don't really agree with mike pompeo on a lot of things for any number of reasons but he essentially said, look, China should face up to what they did and give us even a ballpark figure of how many people died 30 years ago today inside of Tiananmen Square. And the Chinese fired back and said, step off. Okay, <laughs> We don't have to tell you anything. Stop trying to interfere in our government and in our culture. I'm thinking, wow. I mean, people accuse the United States government of covering stuff up. But when China, one of the most populous nations on the planet, 
when they don't even give even a ballpark figure of how many people died. I think what they're doing is self-preservation. I don't agree with it. Not even on the slightest, but I can see that self-preservation. It's this idea of if we say something, it's going to mean something. If we say it, people are going to be like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. Like, not incredible in a good way. Incredible, like, wow, this is, wow, that many people died? And then people are going to put pressure on China to reform. And I know that the Communist Party does not want that at any cost. I understand this. And I don't care what your ideological bent, if you will, is. I don't care if you're a Republican. I don't care if you're a Democrat. I don't care if you're an Independent. I don't care if you're apolitical. I don't care. We all have a stake in the idea of freedom and and hope for humanity. Again, I don't know how many people are going to listen to this broadcast. And frankly, yeah, it's it's sad that I not widely listen to, but I understand that I'm just one drop in the bucket in terms of being a podcaster. I understand this. But if there was one thing that I could do, is to offer hope to the Chinese people. Because it's been my contention for a long, long, long time. It's not the people that are the problem. It's the government that's the problem. The people are just trying to live their best lives. And so, to me, we need to mark this day we need to say this is who we are humans can do really good towards other people or they could do really evil and unfortunately 30 years ago today the chinese government chose the latter they chose to shut down dissent They chose to shut down voices of hope and freedom. They chose that. This is not a Republican thing. This is not a Democrat thing. This is a human rights issue. Now, as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints... Colloquially known as the Mormons. (laughs) One of our tenets is honoring and sustaining the law. But when the law is unjust and unfair, I feel like it's my responsibility to speak out and to say, This should not have happened. Tiananmen Square should not have happened. They were asking for basic freedoms. 
They weren't asking for full-fledged democracy. I mean, I was watching a documentary. Gosh, this was years ago, but I was watching a documentary, and I can't remember who it was, but one of the people said, you know what? When we were asking for democracy or for democracy we weren't quite sure what that really meant think about that they weren't really sure what democracy really meant they just knew that they wanted more freedom and the chinese government just destroyed that and for the last 30 years China, yes, their economy has grown by leaps and bounds. Yes, I know that we have tariffs on them and they've got tariffs on us and it's just getting uglier by the day. But as humans, regardless of skin color, regardless of political affiliation, regardless of any factor that we've placed on ourselves that seek to divide us from other people we're all humans and I believe I honestly truthfully believe that we all want freedom we all want hope we all want happiness we all want peace so that's the extended uh, first segment. Uh, sorry that it went a little bit long, but I just wanted to mark the occasion for Tiananmen Square because, again, I know that in China, I know that they don't want to remember. I know they don't want their own citizens to remember what happened and to mourn what happened but that doesn't mean that I can't and that you can't we have to remember for them we have to remember how to treat people with love and kindness and respect that is basic regardless of party regardless of any other factor Anyway, like I said, for you, it's going to be no time. For me, it's going to be a bit for me to queue up the Stanley Cup final, the NBA finals. And then, like I said, I've got a couple of uh, weird stories. One uh, bordering on the happy absurd and one just really sad and tragic. And then... WWE. So, I will talk to you guys momentarily. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back and we are talking about the Stanley Cup final. Not the finals, it's the final. And uh, so. Through the magic of NBC Sports and YouTube, 
I was I was up at three o'clock this morning. I could not sleep. I thought, you know what? I want to sound somewhat intelligent <laughs> during my show when I'm talking about the Stanley Cup final. And so I thought, wow, I don't really have time to watch four whole games. So, gosh, what what do I do? So I went on to YouTube. And again, this is a service that NBC Sports has done, which is they have compacted an entire game into 10 minutes. And it's just, it's, it's brilliant. I love it. Because here's the thing. You don't feel like you are missing out. Because they take out all the commercials. They take out all the uh, moments that really aren't uh, leading to like any scoring chances or anything of that nature. But even with that they leave enough around the edges where it's not just highlights. It's not just this idea of, oh, there's a goal. Oh, there's another goal. Oh, there's another goal. Okay, and we'll show the final score, and we'll move on. No, they, there's, some, there's some meat on the bone, if you will. And so if you haven't watched any of the Stanley Cup playoffs, I encourage you, go on to YouTube, just type in Stanley Cup Final Game 1 or Game 2. We're up to Game 5 coming up on uh, Thursday, but just type in Game 1 and it'll pull it right up. Like I said, it takes 10 minutes to watch, but again, you feel like you've watched the game like you haven't missed really anything that wasn't uh wasn't important you know there there's some meat on the bone so there is that but let's just go through the first four games really quick so game one was in boston and st louis two quick goals going up to nothing i'm thinking oh my gosh st louis they may have a chance at this thing. They are up and all right. But then Boston just devastated them and uh, beat them four to <coughs> four game or it's me a four uh four to two I should say. Um some of the shots that Boston was getting off, not necessarily, you know, center ice, but it was it was pretty far out and it was like okay <clears throat> so there was that uh, then uh, game two was also in Boston and this went into overtime and it was thrilling because it was back and forth St. Louis wins in overtime 3-2 and uh, again, it was more back and forth, and that's why Roy enjoyed it. Was it was just really right there, right for um, the the taking. 
Game three was an absolute disaster if you were a St. Louis Blues fan. Boston won that game 7-2, to two, and it was just goal, 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 goal. I mean, it was just quick succession, and it was shock tactics, actually, by Boston. They were like, you know what? We're playing in St. Louis. We're going to make it seem like, no, you're not in our league. You are not going to get ahead of us. But uh, St. Louis bounced back on Monday, yesterday, and they won 4-2 to two to tie up that series at two games apiece. The next game, like I said, is Thursday. So it's going to be St. Louis at Boston. And then on Sunday, it's going to be Boston at St. Louis. And then next Wednesday, if needed, it's going to be St. Louis at Boston. Buckle up because this series has been fun. Again, game three was the outlier because it was so lopsided. But every other game, I mean, 4-2, 3-2, and 4-2. This is a tight series. Two evenly matched teams, and I really enjoy that. So, there is that. Right, so let's go uh, to the NBA Finals, and we are headed to Game 3 coming up between the Warriors and the Raptors. It is actually a really, really amazing series so far. So, game one was just absolutely incredible. Uh, I I watched game one, and I thought, "Wow, this is this is really amazing." What Golden State does, what Golden State does, is they make you. substitute threes for twos. And what I mean by that is because Golden State is so proficient on their three-pointer margin, and again, I I don't have the numbers in front of me of how many three-point shots they've made or anything of that nature, but, but because they're so proficient and they're so deadly from beyond the arc, you you're almost forced to try to match their threes with your threes and it's really just like oh my gosh this is crazy i was watching the the opening to game 1 and of course you had golden state off to a hot start with their threes, and then Toronto had to come back down, and they were trying to jack up three-point shots, and so it was kind of like, 
oh my gosh, this is just like every other Golden State Warrior game of trying to match threes. One clearly can't do what the other can. So, ugh, this is going to be ugly. But what happened was absolutely amazing. Because the Toronto Raptors... They did make some three-point shots, but they forced the action inside. And what they did was they forced Golden State inside the paint, which is not really where Golden State wants. Golden State wants to be out on the perimeter. They want to be beyond the arc. But Toronto forced them inside. And I think they did a really great job. And it was it was just really, really amazing. Now, I haven't seen game two yet, but uh, this series is tied up at one going into game number three. So, what's my point about the three-pointers? Again, if you can make them, great. Go for it. But if you can't, don't even try it because Golden State is already net plus one on any type of scoring when you're going up and down the court. And what I mean by that is they're taking three-point shots and making them. You're making two-point shots. So you're already behind by one point every single trip up and down the court. And so... You've got to find other ways of winning against Golden State. You've got to either A, force them inside the paint, or B, you've got to make your foul shots. If you can't do either one of those, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson will eat you alive. Now, the only hope, the only two hopes that the... Raptors have one is that of course Kevin Durant has been out with an injury Clay Thompson is questionable for game three so those are two big big losses for Golden State but they still have Andre uh, uh, Andre Iguodala and they still have Steph Curry and when you have Steph Curry on your team is really, really impressive. So, like I said, you either force them inside and force them to take just regular jump shots or you make your foul shots. Those are the only two opportunities you have if you can't match Golden State three for three. It's just not going to happen. But here's the other thing uh, very quickly is this idea of just the absurdity of the three-pointers. There was, very early on in game one, Mark Gasol, who was just traded to Toronto from Memphis. And, I mean, he had played in Memphis his entire career. But Mark Gasol was at the top of the arc. On your left-hand side, 
as they say in radio parlance, on your left-hand dial. He was at the top of the arc, and he had all day, he had all day to shoot that three-pointer. He was just standing there. Everybody else was inside the, you know, inside the paint trying to get position for a rebound. Nobody was challenging the guy. He had all day. And he just casually just throws it up. And I'm like, holy smokes, I can't hit a three-pointer to save my life being in a wheelchair and all. But... Oh my gosh, I could have had all day. Uh, but that's the absurdity of the three-pointers. And it's not just the Raptors. The Warriors also had just wide-open shots. And so we'll see what happens coming up Game 3. But this is a tough, tight series 109, 104, 118, 109. I mean, those are close, close games. It's not like Golden State's going to run away with this thing. So we'll see what happens with that. Right, so that is the NBA and NHL updates uh, for the week. Now, next week, we may have a Stanley Cup champion, but we'll see. And I don't know if we'll have an NBA champion, but we'll see about that as well. Again, uh, for y'all, it's going to be no time at all. But for me, it's going to be a bit. I've got two really just Weird stories. One, like I said at the top, bordering on the absurd, skewing towards the happy, and one just really tragic story coming out of Houston. I will be right back. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. And as promised, I've got one story from over in Europe that was bordering on the absurd, skewing towards the happy, and then I've got, unfortunately, a very sad story coming out of Houston. Right, so the UEFA Champions League final between the Tottenham Hotspurs and Liverpool uh, went down this past weekend over in Madrid and so Liverpool won the UEFA Champions League 2-0 that's not the story though okay towards and I, I don't know at what point but at some point there was a person that ran out on the field now streakers are always Part of uh, part of soccer, part of football, but this was just this was this was something. <laughs> okay, so this is from foxsports.com. Uh, so I'm going to just read this. 
Champions uh, League streaker Kinsey uh, Wolanski was handed an honorary final ticket by UEFA despite being kicked out of the ground. The U.S. Model 22 stole the show in Sunday's final when she ran across the pitch at the Wanda Metropolitano um, in Madrid in her swimwear. She was escorted off the pitch and led way by stewards before being ejected out of the ground. Lansky was later released by cops as her boyfriend grabbed her bum and said, quote, and this is his saying this, not me, quote, that ass is famous now. But despite her antics going down with, uh, well, with uh, UEFA Chiefs, the, um, see, uh, Wolanski still managed to, um, or not going down well, I should say, <laughs> with UEFA Chiefs, um, or security team, Wolanski managed to bag special souvenir from the night. She wrote on Twitter, the sweetest guy works for UEFA gave me this plaque at the airport. And it's a plaque with a ticket uh, affixed to it. Uh, so pretty much what the story is, there's a guy that has been banned from multiple uh, stadiums and arenas for streaking. Uh, apparently, he's an internet YouTube sensation. He's a practical joke uh, person. And he got his girlfriend to wear... It, it was a modest... Uh, well-ish, but it was a modest one-piece suit, but with the name of a porn site on it and she just in the middle of the match just ran out on the field and I'm like what the heck I at first I didn't believe it I'm like okay I'd heard about it but I didn't really believe it then I saw the video of it I'm like okay that's fun that is that is that is fun. Uh so there is that right so the next uh, story there was a 4-year-old girl that was hit by a foul ball uh recently at a Astros game when they were playing against the Chicago Cubs. Now, the person who hit the girl was absolutely distraught. You could tell on his face he was devastated, and he just, he was not right. When he went back up to bat later on in the game, he just, he looked just absolutely distraught. He was crying going back into the dugout. It was it was really sad. And he said at the end of the game, Hey, I'm a father too, and it 
just broke my heart. And I am so grateful that there were people there to rally around him, put their arm around him, say, you know what, this was not your fault. Baseballs, when they travel back out, they can go upwards of 90 miles an hour back out into the crowd. I mean, that is screaming. That is a low-grade fastball coming right at you. And for all the YouTube videos of people catching balls with one hand or while grabbing hold of a baby or holding on to a beer or whatever, there are unfortunately instances like this where somebody gets hit square in the face. I don't know the condition of the four-year-old girl. Apparently she has some facial fractures, but sounds like she's going to make a full recovery. But... It's just really sad. Now, there was uh, a rule. And let me see if I can uh, pull this up. It's called the baseball rule. And this is from CNN. For more than 100 years, a legal doctrine known as the baseball rule has generally immunized big league Baseball teams from liability when uh, when fans are hit uh, by balls or bats. Uh, the uh, rule has been in effect since 1913. So, um, each year, 1,750 fans are hit by foul balls. 100-110 miles per hour the speed which baseballs enter the stands. I mean, that is scary. So it costs between $8,000 to $12,000 per 60 feet of protective netting along the sides. And baseball revenue for last year, eh, Small number, $10 billion. So, yeah, of course these people can afford to have netting all the way down. Now, I understand. I understand this idea of, well, it's going to obstruct our view. It's going to be a distraction. It's going to uh, take away the enjoyment of the game. I'm thinking to myself, yeah, maybe... Maybe, but what would you rather have? Would you rather have a stadium that was set and secure and all that? Or would you want to have a four-year-old getting hit? I mean, nobody wants the latter, so... To me, I think there's ways to make the netting safe while not necessarily obscuring the views uh, from the fans that are along the 
third base side and the first base side. But, yeah, I don't know what will happen. So, anyway, so there is that. Right, so, uh, I'm going to come back for one final segment. We're going to talk about Super Showdown. Also, some very quick thoughts about All Elite Wrestling. And I will be right back. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are at the home stretch. We're talking about WWE Super Showdown coming up this Friday from Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. And like I said a couple weeks back, don't expect me to watch it live because, frankly, well, Saudi Arabia, we all know what happened with that. At some point, I will watch the show, but... Uh, I'm not real sure about watching the thing live. Anyway, so I'm just going to go very quickly down the card. Uh, and again, a lot of these matches are just kind of like yawn. Um, but you've got Triple H versus Randy Orton. They had a really funny exchange last night on Raw. Go back and watch it. It's absolutely hilarious. Because they knew that they couldn't really get off good shots to each other. Uh, so it was it was pretty funny and, and both of them were kind of smiling and laughing through the through the the exchange. Uh fifty man battle royal, pretty standard. Goldberg versus Undertaker, a lot of people are excited about it, but a lot of people aren't because it's kinda of like, oh gosh this should have happened 10 years ago <laughs> or 20 years ago. It should have happened, but it didn't. So, yeah, a lot of people are not exactly thrilled about Goldberg versus Undertaker. Can't say I, I, I blame them. Uh, Braun Strowman versus Bobby Lashley again. <laughs> It doesn't really move the needle for me. Finn Bauer versus Andrade. And there's been zero build-up to this. Zero. And so, because it's a special show, the Saudis wanted Finn Bauer to come in as the demon. And it just feels cheap because the demon character... The demon side of Finn Balor, that is for special occasions, okay? Uh, or when he needs to get, like, an extra bit of something to overcome the odds. This is just, there was no build-up for Andrade versus Finn Balor. And, and it's, so, yeah, I don't know, we'll see what happens. Uh, Roman Reigns versus Shane McMahon. This is an interesting match because Shane has been trying to milk the fact that he's the best in the world from last year. And, you know, from winning that just insane tournament that they had at Crown Jewel. He's been milking that since last year. 
Uh, he's a complete heel now. He's a bad guy now. Roman Reigns is still trying to get some traction from coming back off of uh, his cancer treatments. So, mm, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Kofi Kingston versus Dolph Ziggler for the WWE Championship. Again, very little build-up for this one. Very little. So, mm, we'll see what happens with that. Seth Rollins versus Baron Corbin. Again, almost no build-up. But, Brock Lesnar does have the Money in the Bank briefcase. He said last night on Raw, Hey, no, I'm not cashing in tonight. I'm cashing in on Friday. So, we'll see. Brock Lesnar said that. Paul Heyman said that Brock would do it last night. Brock said, no, I'm doing this on Friday. So, if Brock's saying it's Friday, we'll we'll see what happens. And then, finally, Lars Sullivan versus the Lucha House Party, which is Kalisto, Grand Metalik, and Lince Dorado. Again, doesn't really move the needle for me. I'm like, you know, and we can talk about women not being invited. We can talk about any and all of that. We can talk about the human rights abuses from Saudi Arabia. But again, this this card doesn't really move the needle for me. Uh, very quickly, very quickly. I didn't get a chance to see Double or Nothing. I did see the buy-in, which is the pre-show. I saw the Casino Battle Royal. It was a fun thing. It was won by uh, Hangman Page. I really enjoy all the wrestling. I really do. I think that they have a good base. They have a good future. And... Just watching this as opposed to All In last year. All In, I'm not saying it was boring, but it just, I don't know, it just had kind of a weird vibe because I didn't really know half the people there. But this year, excuse me, uh, this year, I understood more of who was, you know, who was there. And I thought, oh, okay, I, I, know roughly who you are now so it made it more enjoyable uh it was it was amazing to hear the crowd at the MGM uh garden arena and um so yeah I I think that all elite wrestling has a future uh next week I promise I will go back. I will rewatch the interview that John Moxley, at the time Dean Ambrose, did with Stone Cold Steve Austin on his podcast. And I will listen to the follow up podcast interview between John Moxley and Chris Jericho to kind of get some similarities and differences. One was clearly inside of WWE. One was clearly out of WWE. From what I hear, John Moxley just absolutely trashed WWE. So, 
next week, next week, I will give you the whole skinny, if you will, on those two interviews and give you more of a thought of about what happened with uh, All In and uh, with Double or Nothing, All Elite Wrestling, and go from there. Right, so that is the show for this week. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for being here. Big shout out to everybody who has seen my post on Instagram for this show and who has liked the show, apparently. (laughs) Uh, I'm an Instagram sensation, sort of. Uh, But I will be posting this. You can listen to this anywhere you can, on iTunes, on Spotify, pretty much wherever you can get your podcasts. The Russell Wortham Show is there. Just search out Russell Wortham. That's R-U-S-S-E-L-L-W-O-R-T-H-A-M. And listen to any and all of my podcasts. So, that is the show for this week. Thank you again so much for being here. I will be back next week. And as always, just like the Beatles sang all those many, many years ago, Love is all you need. I will see you guys next week.